Of all the Krispy Kremes in Texas, Debbie chose to come here. I've been here every morning. Darn, Debbie. And once you guys uh, get us to about $5,000 a month on Patreon, then we can have that studio, perfect studio. Yeah, you guys are, you know, (laughs) just pay us. How's that sound? Pay me money to say things you already know. Yeah, exactly. So anyway... Uh, we typically have a, a structure that we like to go through this podcast, but due to us ha- already having 35 minutes of footage and it's kind of like a little frustrating, we're, we, we may skip one portion of it. What do you think? Do you want to skip the music or do you want to go? T- you want to talk about it? Let's go. We were talking about the movies at the end of that. Uh, so we watched something very underground, something nobody's ever watched, an old timey film. Yeah. Casablanca. Yeah, definitely underground, right? No. Um, one of the most revered and uh, critically acclaimed movies of all time, actually. Yes, a fantastic movie. Um, I, 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 I was I've blown away. Sing, I've been singing its praises ever since we watched it about a week ago. Uh, Casablanca came out in 1942. It's by Michael Curtis. Curtis, yeah, Curtis. Um, we were talking about this right toward the end of the, our last episode that got corrupted. It's like a propaganda movie, but done right. Yeah, and. It was it was shot during, basically the ramp of a World War Two. Yeah, which is blows my mind. Nineteen forty two, we had already invaded Japan, but we have not yet invaded Europe, and it totally blew my mind that we actually, like some of the stuff in that movie was kind of like, like uh, what's the word? Because prophesied. If almost, you sit down you and were. watch this movie, and it's like, it's a revisit of a, a time period, especially now that since it's like eighty year, eighty years old. You see it, I mean, the first thing, we didn't automatically look up when it came out and everything, we just sat down and watched it. Mm-hmm. And to know that it came out during that time frame makes it, adds another layer of almost it being a, a protest movie against the war and against the, the cruelty of, you know, our adversaries at the time. Right, right. The The concept that we had talked about was being neutral and then picking a side. And that's really the premise of oh, that was the that was America. Yeah, exactly. So you have America's involvement, and that's why I think it's a propaganda movie. Some would be, maybe disagree. Well, but you got Rick Blaine, yeah. who is who is um, who's played by Humphrey Bogart. Um, he is this calloused individual. You know, where Americans were hard. He is an American. He's I think he's the only American in the. Can movie. I interrupt you real quick? Yeah. Um, I would say you remember because we're both kind of World War Two nuts, like just yeah. just like any other dude. And there, there was a there were, when they were trying to sell bonds and all to raise money and all that stuff, get people recruited. Weren't they trying? There was a lot of naysayers, weren't there, for a minute at the beginning? And we they want they wanted America war. to be. It makes more sense when you're going to a war, especially a world war, that you want the country united as much as possible, right? Right. So maybe in a way, just in the political uh, perspective of this movie and the time it came out. Maybe it was an attempt to. I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if we looked at more of the background of Casablanca, and it might have been even you know helped pushed or funded by the U.S. government to help uh, any naysayers or people on the fence, mm-hmm. neutral people, mm-hmm. to help participate in the war effort because it was affecting. It was a humanitarian crisis as well on both both fronts. That would be a whole other topic, and yeah. I think I think. After this podcast, we definitely will look that up and just see. I mean, it, it just for I mean, curiosity's sake, plausible maybe. Right, exactly. 
But the what I'm talking about is, you know, you have Humphrey Bogart here, who's there's only two Americans, I think, in that whole show, which would be Sam, who's played by Dooley Wilson, and then Humphrey Bogart, Rick's Blaine, right? Is that the only two? I think that I remember, yeah. And I think there's one other, but he dies pretty quickly in the movie. Is he? Yes, yes. No. He had an accent, I think. He had an accent. Which, I can't remember who doesn't he was. Mean he, I mean, that doesn't mean he can't be an American. <laughs> right, but... But it's implied for the location they're set. Right, right, exactly. Um, it That's why I think it's propaganda, movie because you have these two... Well, in this case, just you have Rick Blaine, who is a hard individual. You know, he's successful, which so that's kind of foreshadowing America. Where at, at after World War One, we were really a superpower, a success, right? But we're also trying to stay neutral between the two. We're going to let whatever happens happen, which is like isolationism, he, right? We allow, you know, we're allowing these battles to be fought between the the British and the Germans and Poland and all these other nations that got involved in the war way before we did. And we're allowing it to happen without getting any involvement. That's exactly what I feel like Rick Blaine is until the end of the movie when he realizes, hey, i got to pick a side based off of love and care for another individual, which in our case, we picked a side based off the love and care we had for all the European countries that were being overrun by the Germans, right? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you agree? I mean, I think there's a lot more politics involved in war. We don't have to delve too deep into it. But we're not going to delve, Yes. That's why I like the movie. I think it's a great. That's the best way to probably make a propaganda movie, in my opinion, is have something that just pulls your really heartstrings. <laughs> right. Just. But I mean, uh, propaganda is mostly about is emotional response. Exactly. Because it's the easiest way to get somebody's attention. But if you had no idea when the movie was created, you would have no idea that that was what was going what on. The, and the, it, my attention might have been. Right. And to be fair, it could not. Maybe, maybe this wasn't meant as a propaganda movie, but to me, it feels like one. Not. Let me phrase that. It doesn't feel like one. But I feel like during that time period, they were making movies like this to kind of push that narrative of, hey, we're the good guys. We're trying to make things happen. There's a reason we're fighting this war. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I may be wrong, but... Scalping Nazis. So, in this movie, you know, you have a very good cast of actors. You have a great, well, a great group of actors and actresses. You know, you have, again, Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman... Who is what? What's her name? Ilsa. Ilsa. Yeah. Ilsa. Uh, Paul Hen- Henreid, which is Laszlo, Victor Laszlo. These are like the four these main are like the characters. Four main I mean, characters. there's two or three others that are kind of main characters, but these are the, what the story is about. These right. four people. All of them are fantastic actors. Um, one thing about their acting, in particular, that really I really enjoy is, well, I've talked to you about this before. The way Humphrey Bogart's Facial expressions, oh yeah, are throughout the entire movie super subtle. Is just, I have never seen an actor that does that tip to this day. The eye twitches, the eye movement, the, the way he, his he, his anger and frustrations coming out, and then to boiling to the surface, and then right. he pulls it back in, like his jaw clenching. Like you can see, like yeah, you can see that he's trying to stay calloused because that's who who his character is. He's supposed to be this hard individual, but you see him break down over time, right? Not breakdowns in like a mental breakdown, but you see him the 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 fading of the uh the mask he's wearing basically right yeah. right and it is one of the most interesting things to watch and i don't necessarily think that the director per se was the one that said hey you need to have this mental breakdown or not this mental breakdown but this emotional breakdown to becoming a more soft individual but i feel like because the way that the narrative is because of the way that the narrative is in this movie i feel like it's just kind of natural 
right? Here we have uh, Ingrid Bergman, who plays Ilsa Lund, and Humphrey Bogart, who plays Rick Blaine. Rick Blaine, again, being the hard cow individual um, who had a love for Ilsa, and circumstances separated them, and they came back together. And so before, after they separated the first time, it was more like, oh, she just doesn't love me. So that's what he kept with him throughout these many, 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 many years until they finally met up again. And his just whole world kind of collapses. Kind of like, again, like the phrase you just said in the, in the first 10 seconds of the, the opening of the podcast, of all the bars, saloons, and places gin this woman joints, can go, yeah. gin joints, she picks mine. He was hoping he would never see her again. Yeah, he was running away. And so his whole world that he's built, or this bubble that he's built around yeah. his life. Bubble's is, a good word. That's yeah. literally what that place was. And uh, is cratering. And it's a very interesting side plot, if you will. I yeah. don't know if that's the what the... Personally, I don't think that's what the meaning of the movie is, but I feel like that's a great side plot. Maybe you would disagree with me. I don't know. What the, do you think? As far as the central meaning, I think... It, I think it, it is more centrally tied because as far as the acting goes... Brick uh, is the primary character, and like the first tw- ten twenty minutes, that's who where your the story is building around. Then uh, uh, Elsa and Laszlo come into the scene uh, like a quarter into the movie or less. Yeah. So we see Rick established in this area where he's carved out his own little niche in, in this world. He doesn't take sides. He's a straight shooter, not straight shooter, but uh, He's still helping people, but in his own way and not really putting, not dipping his toes in too deep, you know? Right. He doesn't want to get involved. Right. He just wants to, you know, make make some money and just, you know, live out live, live out his days. Right. So I think it is important because Elsa and the cause and the political movement in the movie are a foil to the, the, the persona that Rick's trying to, to wear, right? Right. And so we see, I think it is more central because Throughout the movie, we see the uh, up until the end, we see the breakdown of that. So, yeah, and on on top of all this, right, you got to take into the account the visuals, right, that this movie presents. We can sit here and talk about the actors all day long, but an actor is only as good as the visual one, narrative. Can I add one more thing? Direction. The, yes. As far as the acting, the yeah. how many characters of different. Uh, nationalities they added oh, for a movie wild. that came out in the ni- beginning of the 1940s. Yes, that is extremely including, wild. Including Sam, the piano player, who's an African-American. Uh, I saw online someone con- commented on one of the uh, YouTube video that uh, the uh, MLK Jr. and the move, uh, civil rights movement didn't happen until like 20 years later. Right. The Like the height of that. So to include a character, I mean, he is in a supporting role, but they don't, they're not, he's not like some how how black people were painted a lot of time back in the day. He's like yes, master, yeah, blah, blah, you know, yes, boss. He does say yes, boss and stuff. So, it, but I think they were making the movie did it a lot just in that respect of uh, showcasing not only Sam uh, but also other nationalities. Like they played like it was impressive to me. They, I was blown away. Like they had like in the first ten minutes, like ten to twenty different languages. It was a lot of different languages had, being spoken around this just in that saloon. Let me see. The ones I remember is they had Russian, French, German, and I, that's oh, the only like three that, that I remember. All but. different parts of Europe, a few places around. Uh, like the, there's some Middle Eastern people, some uh, maybe some parts of Africa, Egyptian or something. Uh, even. I mean, you're in. You're yeah, in, you're in Africa. I mean, so. but that that makes sense given World War Two was a world war. Well, and then yeah. it also kind of puts in perspective that Casablanca was supposed to be kind of like a safe haven, like a neutral zone. 
obviously we know how history went. That's not how it ended up staying. But a lot of people fled to these areas, like well, Casablanca, if you can the help U.S. Refresh my memory. How? What was it? Why was Casablanca important? If we get to the, I guess the setting a little bit. You talking about like why? Yeah. Why did? What can you do? You remember in the movie why? It was like the last escape for a lot of fugitives. Wasn't it was. It? it was the last escape for a lot of fugitives, and um, not just fugitives, re- refugees, fugitives, uh, people trying to escape the Nazi rule. And that was their only way of getting out of Africa because Casablanca was known for its rich and pompous at the time. Now, I don't know what later in the war, I don't know. Uh, it was like a good vacation spot, kind of like how we have Cozumel and uh, other places. Oh, and like it was that. Uh, French. Oc- and it was French, French occupied. And French up until this point were neutral in the war until, until, uh, yeah, until they decided. Well, the French portion of World War Two is very confusing for me. It's not confusing, but there's like you have the centralized government that sided with the Germans, but the, then the there Vichy. was like these little like yeah, 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 and then you have these other little bitty like, well, freedom fighters, if you will, and each one of those groups were like picking and choosing who they'd work for and stuff like that. It was very confusing early on in the war. Then eventually, the French realized they made mistakes. Anyway, not talking about that, but um. In in the premise of the movie, it's like, hey, this is a safe haven, but it's slowly becoming o- occupied by German rule, and so you start seeing more Germans come into the into the movie later on throughout the mo- throughout the movie. But um, but they can't like take aggressive action unless it's, they're almost like a police force. It's different, and they have to work right alongside the French. So it's kind of this weird back and forth play. But that's not what the premise of the movie is. That's just a si- not a side plot, but that's another layer to the whole plot right does that make sense yeah um again i think the main plot of the movie if you will is you know rekindling loves and learning how to sacrifice what's worth fighting for what's worth fighting for exactly willing to give up everything for the ones you love and at the end of the movie you really do see that come to full circle but (laughs) I could sit here and talk about this movie all day long because I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I didn't want to watch it. I mean, I was the one that picked it, but I really didn't want to watch it. But I felt for the sake of respect for older movies, because <clears throat> that's our plan is to watch older movies first and then work our way up. We may change that. We may watch a more new uh, a newer movie, but we'll see. I think it's just like I mean, this is about movies and music, right? Right. So. Think uh, knowing your history gives you a greater appreciation for everything that's come since then. So if we progress into movies uh, that are more modern, like you know, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and then even more modern, that you can start to see the influences because you know where we started, right? You know where we came from, mm-hmm. and I think it's important. Uh, but I don't. I think what you're trying to say, you definitely didn't expect this. No, because old timey black and white movie. Man, your grandpa's favorite. I'm I'm sorry. There's something. Okay, well, I guess we have a lot more. You know, movies coming out 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. We they've been out longer than I've been alive, and so they've had a lot of time to you know, from the first film to now. You know, there's been a lot of growth, but there's some very good black and white movies that beat any any new movie. Acting. There's a lot of actors now that can't act. There's a lot of people who can't 
have they have this grand imagination but can't put it on paper or can't put it in visuals. They have to rely on CGI. They have to do all kinds of stuff. I hate CGI. They're like we were talking about music in the the recording that we didn't where we weren't we weren't able to salvage. Fortunately, but we were also talking about the music industry, and I think the same goes for the movie industry, right? Right. How they're meant to they're just trying to make money basically at the end of the day, especially now with how global everything is. Right. But like money, it's hard to hard to have a heartfelt movie like this. Money will yeah. ruin creativity. <clears throat> Does that mean that's I believe that hundred percent hundred and ten percent because with creativity you take risks, right? And you try things that aren't normal, right? Casablanca. I'm not I'm maybe not have that may not have been a risk to make. But some of the visuals, some of the, the whole premise of this movie is a work of art and whoever was the videographer and whoever designed the shots, <laughs> if he was alive today, he would be a dime a dozen, right? Or not a dime a dozen. He would be one in a million. But uh, that's, I think our problem nowadays is we, we have people that are creative, but because we'd rather have money, they don't risk anything. So they just stick yeah. to what's safe. R- risk is a good, a good word right there. Yes, exactly. So let's get back on the movie. Uh, I just started talking about visuals. You know, one of my favorite scenes, there's two scenes in particular that really stick out to me, is the first time we walk into the saloon. Yeah. Right? And I know you want to, you, we talked about, you've <laughs> talked about this before, so I'll let you. Well, we had mentioned that, yeah, one of the first scenes we see that we're walking, basically panning, a panning shot through Rick's saloon, the, one of the primary locations throughout the whole movie, our sets. And just like an art piece has, uh, like a landscape especially has a, a background, a mid-ground and a foreground. Right. Like that's, this this shot was set up in that way. A long shot, pan shot. Right. And there's so much going on in each each layer that like draws you and really immerses you in the scene, in right. the movie immediately. It's mm-hmm. immediately pulling you, pulling you in. It's like, what's going on? Where are these, who are all these people? Where are we at? There, it looks like they're having a fun time. There's music playing and then we zoom into the music playing itself and then, our, our main characters start to show up. So here's where what he's talking about. As soon as the double doors open into this casino or saloon, whatever you want to call it, right smack dab in, not in the foreground, but the middle ground, right? I guess is that that's not probably the tar- proper terminology. We'll, we'll figure but, it out. But you have Sam playing his piano. You have people all all around him laughing, cutting, cutting up. But in the foreground, there's one character, I cannot remember his name. He's carrying these transport documents that are stolen yeah and you see him kind of work his way through the crowd that's who you're focused on right is him because he's going to see rick blaine trying to help him out um but you see him kind of walking through the crowd but it's panning from right to left but you see the mass of people in there because it's a saloon it's a busy saloon it's in the middle of the night you know typical bar and you see all these different nationalities people chatting having their own individual conversations and in the background, you have the actual saloon, right? So you have the back wall of the saloon, the stairs that lead up to Rick's office, all the shrubbery, scenery, the bar. And it's very interesting because, again, like you said, it makes you feel like you're in the room with them. Like you're you're sitting in the foreground watching everything happen. And it's very interesting because it 
it's not like a solid pan, right? I think there's one time where it cuts to a different shot. Yeah, we thought it was a full shot at yeah. first. I remember at that. first, we're like, wow, this is ingenious. So we, we, we rewind, and I think it comes to the doors, and then it cuts, and then you see the inside of the Right, saloon. but that edit is almost like... Seamless. Yeah. Too, too, uh, to, to me, right? There's nothing wrong with cutting to a new scene or to a new portion if done right, right? One of my biggest pet peeves of the the most recent Star Wars movies, like one, two, and three, like not most recent, that's obviously two th- early two thousand, is whenever he would change scenes, he would always use those weird. You remember those weird fades where he'd like block fade? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hated that. Not that it was bad, but it's like it, figure out a better way to to fade in and out of your shots. Yeah, I think I, it's a little nostalgic and almost, but I can see like at the time. Yeah, at, at the it's time, a little cheesy, honestly. Yes, exactly, and. Again, my favorite Star Wars movie is Episode Three. I will always, I'll fight anybody who says that that's not good. It's very good, anyway. Um, but like this one, like the way it was edited, it was so quick to transition from outside the door to inside the door that you almost don't even pick. You almost kind of just your brain just shuts off to it, right? Yeah. Would you agree? Like we had to rewatch it in order to be like, oh, there's where he edited. It was really cool. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it's not like a Kurokuros. Kurosawa. Kurosawa's yeah. where it's like these seamless shots that just follow the act. It's not like super that long well. shots. Yeah. Uh, he had a, he bar none, probably the best when it comes to visuals in terms of editing and how he pans his shots, how he plans for his shots. Yeah. But, um, this is pretty good too. I mean, I can't complain. Another scene is a flashback scene. And this is the one I think Noah really, really likes is the flashback scene where they're in Paris. I think they're in Paris, right? And they're in a saloon, a smaller saloon. And you start way back right by the bar area and the shot zooms in. And as you zoom in, you see the bar to the right to the left. You have, you know, a guy sitting down with his paper talking it. And you can see the big bowl print about the war. You see Sam right behind him playing his piano, but then it keeps zooming in. And it zooms in right into uh, Rick and Ilsa. Like when they're younger, you know, they're talking about leaving together and stuff like that. And it sets the scenery for wh- what's happening in the moment, right? What's the, the, the thought of war, Germans invading France? It's not like, you know, I was thinking compared to, uh, you've probably seen a lot of movies and TV shows, flashbacks. Yeah. It's a good tool to add more details uh, on context to your the the this the current situation in the movie, but usually it's a little bit lazily done, right? You have like borders around or something to, to <laughs> obviously punch you in the face and tell you, "Hey, this is flashback." You're talking about like those early two thousands where they like would, do like the weird fog around. The yeah, place. yeah, <laughs> just it's really cheesy. But you go to something like this over eighty years ago, and he's not only using techniques to of that uh, we've already talked about. But he's pulling you back, like he shows in the beginning of that scene, the newspaper is the first thing you see, and we zoom out from that, and then slowly zoom into our character. So we know they're in a different environment. It's a different place that they had mentioned earlier in the film. Right. And I don't, I'm not beating the face that it's a flashback. It's it's subtly showing me what time it is. Context clues. Context clues. I, right. I have to look. They're showing, not telling. Right. So and you can even go down yeah. to how they're dressed and everything too. I know yeah. that sounds weird, but like you gotta think. Yeah, Rick doesn't look like a depressed person like he right. does in the future. And he's wearing a more stylish outfit, right? Than showing off. Showing yeah. off. And you know what? One thing that I, I, I don't quite understand is why we don't shoot movies in black and white anymore. Not that, not obviously, obviously color's great, 
But like, even that movie, you can, even if it's black and white, I can visually see the colors. The colors, yeah. Isn't that crazy? And then like they have like these context clues where he was talking about the dress that she he she wore right before they like the last time he saw her, and it's like I see it, even though it's black and white, I can see the vibrance of these shots, you know, and I think if we were ever to put. Casablanca in color. I really feel like... It would be kind of wrong, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think it would kind of defeat the purpose of the whole movie because I feel like some of these shots are meant to stay in black and white. And I think people should try... Well, directors, producers should try to implement black and white again. I feel like it's important. I think it ties back into that showing, not telling. It's like you have to use your imagination. While you might not get exactly 100% what the director is trying to tell you through the story, you are automatically adding details in your head that make sense. Exactly. Yeah. Giving more to the audience without having to spoon feed it to them. Yes. Yeah. So I think that would be this awesome. This movie's an excellent example of not doing that. Spoon exactly. Feed. Yeah. And I feel like modern movies, and I'm not trying to bash modern movies, but there's a lot of modern movies that I'm like, this is, oh, this is a great movie. But then I start thinking about it. It's like, well, there's nothing memorable about it. Yeah. <laughs> right? What happened? Yeah. What <laughs> I happened? walk out and I'm I like, forgot. Yeah. Like, there's only a few movies that have come out in the last two to three years that, of course, Hollywood's been on a downhill slope because of, you know, COVID starting, and then all of a sudden now everybody yeah. wants to be a social justice warrior. So it's, you know, you're dealing with a lot of stuff that you really don't want to deal with. But, like, a good movie that's modern that I really like is The Batman the with, you know, Robert Pattinson. And, um, and again, we're not going to sit here and talk about that. But... That's a modern movie that sticks in my head, right? Because of the shots, because of the context clues given, because of the the background, the whole, the whole, what's the word? The world that he built is something you could see being lived in. It's not like this super corny. Yeah, I'm not asking for a, a puzzle box to assemble and make make sense of a movie, but I am asking for, like, give me something to chew on, you yeah. know? There are some movies out there like Inception that are kind of like those puzzle box movies that I'm not yeah, I, I just well, like I don't want to think about it. That's a whole other thing, yeah. Yeah. But uh in terms of visuals and editing, man, that that movie was fantastic. I mean, what are some other scenes that you just absolutely adore? Uh, dang, there was one one other I can't remember. Uh, the scene where before she comes back to talk to him Ooh. and she's going to she's going to she's yes. coming back to say sorry basically. It's late at night. Yes. And Sam's nearby. Sam's being a good friend, telling him, I'm not leaving you, man. <laughs> Basically, and he keeps yes. playing piano. And that, that was the that was the part that I was playing at the yes. beginning. Yes. Uh, yes. It's just like he's there, and that scene is set, and it's you, you almost feel as anxious as Rick does. Right. You feel that anxiety because mm-hmm. he's having to deal with that inner t- turmoil. Right. And then she walks up, and then it just kind of breaks down. He rejects it, and you feel that feel that pain that he's dealing with right. and then she, the pain that she's receiving because she gets rejected immediately and right. leaves and she wants to try to explain everything to him and he's like I'm, i don't want to hear i this. love one thing i see one thing if you want to talk about modern movies versus uh movies in the past that we don't see as much now and it's harder to find is really i hate the how fast pacing i don't hate it but i dislike how fast movies are you're gonna watch a, a, a typical movie and like the cuts are fast and then I'm, it's giving me so much at one time, beating me over the head with a lot of things. But with a lot of older movies, they take the time and establish the shot, get you comfortable with the setting, and I can really absorb a lot that's going on and take my time and uh, really enjoy that moment. And I can feel the emotions going exactly. on. Exactly. 
Yeah, that's what sets apart. I think, like you you were saying, for I think modern there's movies. I think there's why I, that's a pre- there is an appreciation yeah. for older movies because, like you said, it's a breath of fresh air for exactly. a lot of us. It's like information overload for some of these movies because they're trying to cram so much into one movie because they're trying to make money. Yeah, and uh, you know, trying to get their story across for for people like, for instance, Marvel movies. Great example. They shove so much crap into one Marvel movie, and you're like, "Hold my hand!" When they could have made that three or four movies, that they'd slow down, right? So, um, Casablanca, man, it's it's just a good movie. I I I really I I could sit here and talk about that all day long. The yes, you are right. Being slow like that and building up to the emotion, building your that is what's missing. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Your emotions. Your emotions are being pushed back and forth that quickly is not something that's uh, normal. Yeah. So when you're built up, like for instance, Rick's sitting there at the bar and talking about of all the saloons and gin joints, she's she's here. Casablanca. And you feel yeah. it. You're like, man, he feels like, why is she here? You know, I thought this part of my life was gone and over with. Yeah. And then as soon as he's done talking about that, you know, Sam comes up and tries to comfort him and say, hey, I'm here for you, master. Or not master, but sorry. <laughs> no, I'm said, here for you, boss. boss. He yeah. said boss. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not racist. That is not what I meant by that. You're good. Um, but, and then no, no sooner than, what, a minute and a half later, she you see her come into the background, and it's like, what's going to happen? It's like, yeah. And it's like you start feeling that tension. And he, and you can see it, and again, act going back to acting. Yeah, you I can think see if it I remember, he doesn't eyes. even look at her, does he? He's no, like bar- he barely looks at her the whole time. He barely looks. And at that's her. like the middle of the movie. It's um, it's not your peak of the movie yet in the plot. It's building up to it, and it, it's like, well, is this over? Or how are they going to resolve this? Basically? Right, and you know what's really cool about that movie too is it's not very long, but no. it, it tells a whole, a very beautiful story in a very short period. It feels like a dance. It's exactly. Not, you're not. Doesn't take too long, but you do sit, so you go through the motions and you enjoy it. And there's a build up and it breaks down beautifully. Some know? of these modern relationships could probably take take <laughs> some notes from old school relationships. That'd be the, my only criticism. I mean, but it, as a movie that came out in the '40s, given the time, I'm going to be more forgiving. Well, she was uh, also was kind of a female fatal character. Have you heard that? I guess not. No. Um, it's more like she's there just to serve as the romantic interest or just uh, a, almost like a plot device almost but I don't I don't think so 100% but it kind of feels like she was just Laszlo and Rick were kind of like tugging and she was the, the central conflict between that but it wasn't the only thing the movie she focused on she was the tug on. of war prize yeah but <laughs> but it wasn't the only thing so I'm not going to judge it harshly on that 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 be, might That's, be one of my one, one, one of my only nitpicks but she was a freedom fighter and everything I think it served and it didn't do, do too bad. I think her dialogue was pretty good, yeah. all things considered. And I also don't. She think was rational. She was saying like, I you know I wasn't. I messed around with you because, you know, yeah. the circumstances, and I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to return to this, but I want to say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So that was respectable. Yeah. So she didn't. She wasn't a common whore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, not trying to be gross or anything like that, but it is the truth. Like you know, you have a lot of. Man, I keep. I'm not trying to sound like an old man, but. A lot of people today are just nasty, right? And so I like how it takes it. It's like, no, look, I thought my husband was dead, and I felt like I needed somebody. Yeah. Then when I found out he wasn't, I'm not gonna be a she left. dishonest person. The same. She said the same day she she left in the train station. She's like, bye. Yeah. And she's like, I don't. I didn't think I was gonna see you again. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, that's such a cool story. Yeah, it is very a good story. You should. If anybody that has not watched this movie that's listening, please go watch it. Uh, it's a 
it it may not be on your top tier list, but I mean, I'm gonna go back and watch it once we get done with this podcast. I'm probably gonna go watch it this weekend. Yeah, um, it's very good. The score, kind of your typical forty score. Yeah, I liked any anytime Sam played and sang. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, excellent. Uh, it <laughs> and it it tied into the story. It did. Yeah. It did. It was awesome. It was yeah. very awesome. And uh, but other than that, it's kind of like yeah, I I don't really. Not that it's bad. It's just I've had better scores. Not that it's does that make sense? Yeah. Um, like, you know, for instance, like when you watch The Martian or when you watch uh what's the other one? Not Inception, uh Interstellar. Uh, yeah. Like that's a fantastic soundtrack. But I don't feel like the difference here is in in this movie in Casablanca, it's not really needed. Music is not needed. You do have music, like, yeah. you know. You have your saloon music with Sam playing his piano and stuff like that. But that's all he, you really need to create these scenes. When Ilsa and Rick are together alone and they're talking, they're expressing their feelings for each other and stuff like that. Yeah, there's music in the background, but you're not focused on the music. You're focused on the words spoken. Because let's be real here, the the actual writing is pretty darn good. So the motion is presented through the characters. Right. I don't need the like a, a lot of newer movies. I feel like they need that uh, music to help build the emotion with the characters but here the characters emotion is so like you see it and you understand right. it and you're feeling it through their expressions and everything right so you don't necessarily need the music as a uh, support exactly and that's the, ain't that funny yeah just the nuance or the little small things about um some of these actors the way that their eyes move the way that their ears perk up when something <laughs> you know what i'm saying like, like yeah. there's a moment where humphrey bogart's ears actually like perk up and another good example of someone who does this is John Wayne. Uh, I don't. Know, I'm about to. Yeah. Show, I'm about to show you. I think I know what you're talking about. When he gets mad, or when he sees a really pretty woman, you know that he knows, or something like that, in yeah. one of his movies, his ears actually, his face, like his his expressions, like widen, yeah. and his ears perk up. Is not perk up, but they like kind of like. We're gonna have to watch one of his movies. Yes, actually, Michael Curtis. Uh, I, I hope I'm not butchering that name. Is actually got a few movies with John Wayne in it. Really? I think. Yeah. Let me. I think he did. Uh, oh, what was it? Let me see here, real quick. What movie did he do with? He did. Oh, he did Robin Hood, the original Robin Hood. Oh, uh, what was it? Oh, what's the name of that movie? The command. Uh, the Comanche Rose. Never heard that one before. But, um, he did that. The Egyptian, Dodge City, a lot of older movies. Um, a lot of westerns too. He's got some movies I would like to look at. Maybe we can look at some of his. All right. What is this? A Breath of Scandal. Who is that? <laughs> no, I'm not watching that one. <laughs> what a, One thing I also wanted to bring up, because you brought about the ears uh, with Ilsa. I swear, half the time when I was watching, like, it's when, especially when it's dark in the room, they put extra light on her face. So she would make her like, almost like sparkling, almost. She's a very beautiful actor. She's beautiful, obviously. But it was just like a little weird. <laughs> it's like, you see Rick and he's like, he looks normal. And then you see El- Elsa by herself in a shot. And she's just like lightly brit up, um, lit up. So, so it was funny. The only uncomfortable thing about the whole movie was the age gap. I think they even talk about it in the movie. How, yeah, how old was she supposed know. to be? He's like pushing 50 in that movie. I don't know. Let me, let me look. Which is cool. Like all those wrinkles and stuff help. I, I remember seeing a video a long time ago. I think like when they were using older actors like that, especially men, it helped. Oh man, that makes sense. Wow. Hmm. When you don't, when the budget and the technology was where it was at, it kind of makes sense that we maybe use men with had 
more rugged faces because they can display that emotion a lot better. Yeah. No, I don't think there was that big of an age gap. I know that there was an age gap, but because what was the phrase? She was young. She wasn't like, she was probably like 20s, 30s. Yeah, I think her 20s. I think, I don't know. Um. Anyway, so we obviously think that the score was iffy. Not iffy, but it wasn't needed, yeah. right? Like a lot of Akira Kurosawa. I always mess his name up. Is it Akira Kurosawa? Akira Kurosawa. Akira Kurosawa. Yeah. A lot of his movies don't necessarily need soundtrack, right? What was your, one of your favorite moments or scenes? Sorry, I got sidetracked there. I was look, I'm trying to look up the phrase that I was talking, or his age, but it, it's not popping anything up. Anyway, what were you saying? What's one of your favorite scenes from the movie? The ending was pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I still like the first shot. Um, when it's him and I mean the whole movie, man. <laughs> I don't like. I, I really don't like the parts with all the Germans, like they're sitting in their offices and stuff like that. That was <laughs> the accents they have. Yeah, stereotypically German. Yeah, the stere- stereotypical. Hello, hello, hello. Anyway, so again, this episode may be kind of short, but. I'll, this, go ahead. Can I interject my? No, yeah, go ahead. I'm so sorry. I, I said the ending is one of my favorites just because I'm used to one of my favorite parts of movies is this big sacrifice, you know, like the main character makes. It's like it's tear jerking, but I didn't expect this movie to have a good ending. Honestly, I thought Rick would die, and for you know, for his love and for Laszlo, it was all over the place. The ending was not all over the place in a bad way, but it was all it over. It was the a place. good ending. Yeah, yeah. I didn't expect that. Uh, it almost. <laughs> It almost sounds like they were trying to make a second one. You remember, like, I feel like we're going to be on many adventures as they're, like, walking Yeah, the, the like, French, we didn't touch him uh, on him, but the the French side character. The, he's annoying. I don't like him. He was annoying, but in a way that, like, it makes sense why he his, his ways his were, the way he acted. And at the end, he was a good guy, ultimately. He's, right. He, I guess he almost didn't trust. He didn't know. He was trying to figure out Rick the whole movie. That makes sense. He was trying to figure out Rick and see what side he was on for real. And then once yeah. he actually made the the decision to help out the good side, he's like, he almost basically said, yeah, I'm actually, I've been supporting the French underground the whole time. Yeah. So I don't know if he actually comes out and says that or it's, I think it's implied. I don't know. I feel like he's just, he was trying to play politics. Yeah. And, um, I just, I just didn't really, he care was taking that. bets the whole movie. He was taking yeah, money, pocket money. Funny. Yeah. He's like, we're shutting down this bar. And he's like, why? Cause there's illegal betting. He's like, here's your winning, sir. He's like, what? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it was kind of funny. <laughs> there's some funny moments in it the, too. You know, Overall, this movie is not just a love sappy story. It's a war movie. It's it's a it's a it's a it's it's funny sometimes. It's sad, but overall, it's just a well made, well produced, and well edited movie. Timeless. That, that is timeless. Yeah, honestly, I'll probably show my kids this too. I mean, it's a yeah, it's a great movie. So, did you want to touch on music before we go, or yeah, you yeah. want to do that next time? No, let's go ahead and do it. Uh, we again. We had already talked about this, <laughs> so we're repeating some of what we so said. So we're repeating it, but it was just a quick rundown. Uh, you need to go watch, listen to the new Paramore album. The Paramore album was pretty pretty good. Uh, I had, the first part was kind of more upbeat, and then towards the end is my favorite. Uh, what was it called again? This is why, or this is it? why, and thick skulls and or thick skull and big man little dignity or something like that. <laughs> I'm, Sorry, butch- I'm probably butchering, name. but like I, I really enjoyed that latter half of the album where it slowed down and has some pretty good lyrics and showcasing she hasn't lost her touch at all. Uh, 
Haley Williams? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like 30, 30 something. something. Still has an amazing she's voice. Still got it. I'm looking oh, forward yeah. to more. Oh, so. yeah. I wonder how many more albums she'll make before she stops. By the way, did you know Panic at the Disco's done now? They for, disbanded. That who? But that was the same with NF. Like, there's so many bands. It's like, oh yeah, we're done, and they'll come back like five, NF? ten years later. What do you mean NF? Didn't NF release an album after he said he was? Quitting? He released one song, and oh. he he didn't say he was quitting. He said he was going to take a break. And we, Christian and I, thought it was going to be a lot longer before he came back. Yeah, but he came out with that new song Hope, which is very good. Uh, I'm not a big Christian rap fan though, so I just. I mean, I'll listen to it. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. that's good. And then I I don't have to listen Teach to it again. Zone. I will say, though, for all you fans of in- intricate and very unusual music, uh, Jacob Collier's, was it DeJesse? Yeah. It's D-J-E-S-S-E. Uh, anyway, Volume 2 is fantastic. Uh, that's what I've been listening to a lot this week. Um, and I'm not going to go as deep as we did before. I have tried to get out of my little box of music, one for my own mental health, not depression anxiety stuff like that because you know um, stay fresh yeah to stay fresh to keep my mind wondering and to keep it the brain juices flowing well lubricated exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's uh you know i don't i don't ever want to just get complacent so i'm trying to learn new music or listen to new music learn new music as well but you know jacob collier has been a big inspiration for some of my learning actually and so um some of the, like the techniques and stuff like that that I'm learning on the bass, and I think it's it's awesome. And um, I say and um a lot. <laughs> anyway, um, but that's what I've been listening to. Um, you know, you could you could listen to some of the more popular songs again. Flowers is still what top ten right now for Miley Cyrus. Oh, yeah, <laughs> still a good song. Uh, and there's someone that said, you know, what's funny? Ten years ago, when I was a kid, uh. If some if your boyfriend or girlfriend was cheating on you, you just dug your key dug your keys into their tires, took a Louisville slugger, both headlights, you know, but now it's I'm just gonna buy myself flowers and act it's funny. Pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah, pretend yeah. like it didn't happen. Both healthy. Yeah. Healthy ways of dealing. <laughs> one of them psychotic, one of them is uh still bur- psychotic. Bur- yeah. <laughs> we'll make you psychotic later by burying it. Yeah, by burying it. Anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Yes. And here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> Rain the whole time. Yeah.